You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. And welcome to Spookulative Evolution. Hello, David. Since beginningless time, darkness <laughs> thrives in the void, but always yields to purify light. Will? <laughs> and hello, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Spooky. Episode four of Spooky 2023. More dragons. More dragons. This episode are turtle dragons. That Dragon sounds turtles. weird. Yep. Yep. <laughs> this, is, this one's a weird one because it's got kind of a couple members to it that are similar but not the same <laughs> as usual we've left the weird one to the end of the series in this series we like to investigate monsters of various kinds and ask if they were to evolve here in our real world under the rules of natural selection how would they evolve how would we end up with something that looks like acts like and would result in the stories that these monsters have and what would be their evolutionary history the driving forces behind these features this is just to have fun and we've been having a ton of fun so far we've done european dragons east asian dragons wyverns specifically and now turtle dragons we've been releasing these every saturday this month we do still have another thing on the calendar next month on november 11th at 3 p.m eastern time we have a live stream to discuss this year's spooky and just speculative evolution and spooky stuff in general so join us for that Check out the description for our website and the details there. And this, as we release this last spooky episode of the month, be sure, if you haven't already, to join the conversation in Discord and on social media. People have been having a lot of fun. Yes. For this one, we chose the weird one. As we said, we typically leave that one for last. And this one is definitely weird. Dragons are one of the most famous monsters. The three dragons we've visited up to now are the ones that you will typically see in most media. That it's Those are your dragons nine times out of ten. These aren't. This is a group, a, a category that is just oddly unique in the fact that there's kind of two members to it of d- turtly dragons. Neither of which really has much to actually do with the other, <laughs> but just so happens that two different groups of people decided to come up with stories about shelled dragons. The dragon turtle, mm-hmm. which is... As the name suggests, a dragon with a turtle shell. Yep. This is an East Asian dragon, very similar in many features to the East Asian dragons we talked about earlier, but in a tortoise shell. Yep. There's also the dragon turtles of D&D. Yes. Which I think are just kind of big monstery turtles. Yep. They're just big turtles. Yep. That like treasure and sink ships. That's it. But then also there is the Tarrasque. Not the D&D Tarrasque. Yeah, the D&D Tarrasque <laughs> is like a kaiju yep. Godzilla-type monster. The original Tarrasque is a French dragon. A, a mythological a being. A mythological creature that has two turtle shells, two tortoise shells on its back, and six feet in a lion's face. Yeah, and I've seen the Tarrasque listed on list of dragons. Yes. It falls into that sort of category of big dragon-like monsters. No, like, there are texts that call it a dragon mm-hmm. in ancient French stories. So we have these two dragons that are very different from each other, but both have turtle shells. Yes, and hence the episode, Turtle Turtle Dragons. Dragons. (laughs) For anyone who was anticipating that this was going to be an episode about Bowser, 
Uh, it is not. No. So uh, sorry. Though I have seen him on lists of turtle dragon of dragon turtles. Oh yeah, that, absolutely. He's basically a dragon turtle. He's got a lot of Asian dragon face <laughs> stuff to, to his face and his limbs, and then a big old turtle shell. Yep. So let's start there with the dragon turtle. This is another dragon from Chinese myth. Back to East Asia. Mm-hmm. There are not as many stories as I could find like about dragon turtles. There was at least one story in the Book of Mountains and Seas, which is a notable ancient text. I, I can't remember how old it was, but that talked about dragon turtles serving as guardians to a, a mystical land and providing passage for sages and like immortals on their back. There are representations in art going back for centuries, at least to the 14th century in the Ming Dynasty. So it has been a feature. You know, dragon turtles have been around. I just couldn't find many like stories about them. So mm-hmm. they may have been more of a visual feature than a character. Right. In the way of the other dragons yeah. that we've been talking about. So they, they seem to have been much more of a representational figure. Which is very fitting considering that they have a strong tie to the practice of feng shui. This is a concept, also sometimes you'll hear it called Chinese geometry, that is the Mm. idea that the placement of the environment around you, your house, the landscape of your home, a city potentially, I, I suppose, like the placement of objects and your living space focuses energies and gathers energies in specific ways that can improve your life and bring certain attributes into your home and into your life. This is a ancient Chinese practice, but has become popularized in the 20th century, especially in Western culture, where it's lost a lot of its spiritual meaning, but is where you've probably heard the term used of like rearranging your apartment for feng shui. Right. It, now it's an, an interior decorating yes. thing. <laughs> and so it, it's borrowing from some of the ideas and practices, but not actually the concepts right. <laughs> that, are, that were meant to be entailed there. The dragon turtle is a common fixture, a figure of feng shui hmm. because of the combination of the dragon and the tortoise. Both important cre- totem creatures, basically, in feng shui. They represented two of the four celestial animals. The black tortoise in the northern sky, the green dragon in the eastern sky, and then also the white tiger in the west and the red phoenix in the south. So they were two of the central creatures for these practices and were thought to embody different attributes and ideals. Tortoise exemplified long life because tortoises tend to live long. That's what they do. That's what they're good at. Steadfast nature, you know, being resolute and sturdy. Wisdom, which is often associated to turtles in... Uh, many stories, and were thought to provide support, safety, and protection. So that was kind of the ideas there. The dragon exemplified generosity, magnificence, power, and was thought to inspire growth and life and harmony. Hmm. So by combining them, you were getting a combination of those features. Yeah. And typically, these included varying things depending on which source you look at and in which way the dragon troll was presented. Very often, they promoted success and luck, which is often a feature that seemed to show up with many symbols and prosperity was very common. And this could be success in work or relationships or politics, just success, luck, often long-term, that stability was an idea there. But you would often see dragon turtles presented in different ways to emphasize different things. Very commonly sitting on a pile of gold, gold coins, sometimes with a coin in their mouth. Hmm. Uh, I have a dragon turtle figurine that I was given 
long before <laughs> I ever went to do these notes. <laughs> and I kept reading it and going, oh, yeah, mine is sitting on a pile of coins. Yeah. And that's meant to promote prosperity and okay. bring wealth. The idea that I saw written was that it guards the owner's wealth and helps them attract more and is meant to represent luck and prosperity in that way. They often will also be shown with baby turtles on their shell, uh, which mine also has <laughs> a turtle on its shell. Uh, sometimes it'll be shown with a group of baby turtles. Mine mm -hmm. just has one. This is often to symbolize family and supporting offspring, success for your offspring, long-term wealth for the family. So more focused on the family. Sometimes you'll see them with a pagoda on the back. So a temple on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that this seemed to often symbolize academic success. Oh, interesting. You know, in the institution, I yeah. guess. And then also there were things with where you put them in the house means different things. You know, putting it in your office or by the door or by a window have different effects. But this is a very, very common character in feng shui practices. Evidently, though, the dragon turtle kind of fell out of favor, at least at some point in the ancient practices and the original practices of feng shui. The only thing I found was saying that people just didn't think it was feasible to harness the power of a huge, mighty reptile. Hmm. And that, like, the stories of riding on their back just didn't it click. Fell out of fashion. Yeah, it just was like, yeah, but that, A, how could you wrangle something <laughs> like that? B, that seems like a bad idea, is basically what it seemed, Interesting. what, what they were saying. Hmm. So it sounds like it was a feature kind of fell out of favor, and then has come back into favor with modern practices, at least Western practices. So I don't know how many of those meanings are still held in sure. more traditional practices, but when you look up Dragon Turtle, these are the things that you will typically come up is usually feng, wei, feng Shui websites. And so because of that, there's not actually a lot about like their personality, their yeah. behavior. Again, different from our previous mm -hmm. dragons. They definitely seem to have a protective and, you know, they were protecting that mystic land, portraying holding up and supporting things, mm -hmm. which is a common giant turtle, giant tortoise mythos in, in yep. human cultures of things being on the back. The, the world turtle. Yes, exactly. So they've definitely got some connections there. But otherwise, it's just a turtle, but the face is an East Asian dragon. Yeah. It's got the, the beard, the horns, the mustache, all of that stuff going on for it. And I guess you could say dragon-like feet, but also just clawed feet are turtle feet. Right. reptile feet. Yep. Yep. And I think I've seen some before that have more of a notable, like, floofy furred tail, and then other times just a turtle tail. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm not sure if there's any consistency one way or the other typically that way. I, I couldn't find it mentioned, but I know I've seen ones before that have that, a that, more dragony war turtle tail. Yeah, I was about to say, the, mm -hmm. we're going a little more squirtle war turtle there. And so I don't know if that if there's... Uh, an actual history of that or if that's just an artistic decision that sometimes people take and so that's mostly it for the dragon turtle other than like the D, &D dragon turtle which is basically just a big sea turtle big with monster turtle uh, uh, uh angry attitude <laughs> and same with bowser just not sea and yep. with fire added uh, and a dislike of one particular italian the tarasque is a very different creature Yes. With many more descriptive features. This one is described in much more detail, but is very much for more or less a singular mythical creature. Yeah, this is like the Hydra yeah. that we've discussed before. It's gone through variation and it has various tales to it, but mostly it is the Tarasque. This is a French mythical creature 
Its origins go back quite a ways, likely to pre-Christian Celtic times and practices. There is at least one, uh, I think it was a, a statue or figurine unearthed at a dig site that is known as the Tarasque of Novus from a village that was once called Tarasconet. So there's some evidence that it goes back quite a bit. The statue was sharp-toothed. It was made out of ceramic. It had a scaly back. And it was crunching on a human arm in its mouth. That's in quotes. Huh. Mm-hmm. So the monster goes back quite a ways. The legend that it is famous for dates back to at least the early to late 12th century. It is recorded in multiple texts and slightly different versions of typically the story of St. Martha and the Trask. That's, it's kind of like St. George the Dragon. It's yeah. got that sort of vibe to it. St. Martha and the Trask is a story that has been retold with slight variations. The most famous is in The Golden Legend. In this tale, the Tarask inhabits the forest of an area around a town now known as Tarascon. It lurks in the rivers and waterways, attacking people that try to cross it, sinking their boats. In these early descriptions, it was described as a dragon. So it was called a dragon. That made it onto the list. Yep, yep. Half animal and half fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the, the weirdest of combinations. Thicker than an ox, longer than a horse. Okay. <laughs> with sword-like teeth. I, the phrase <laughs> longer than a horse is a fantastic it's, description. I love everything about this description. <laughs> That's a great description. Half animal, half, half fish, fish. Longer than a horse. And thicker, thicker than, an, than ox. an ox. And teeth like swords. Yep. Sword like teeth. That's <laughs> we got. That one uh, is, is a nice classic one. <laughs> there have been thoughts, and I think it was suggested in some of these tales, that it was a crossbreed between the biblical Leviathan mm. and the Onachus or Onuchus of Galatea, which is a creature that evidently attacked people, or or at least its pursuers, by flinging dung at them like an arrow, causing burns. Huh. I didn't find any physical descriptions, because it seems like the only main mention of this creature is in descriptions of the Tarask, so I, I couldn't find, like, sure, sure. what else it was supposed <laughs> to be like. Uh, for another spooky yep. season. <laughs> <laughs> Dung-flinging monsters. The burning uh, dung. <laughs> next, <laughs> next year, dung-flinging monsters. But it was supposed to be a cross of notable monsters. So not, it's like the, the classic idea of a chimera mm -hmm. that we've talked about with pulling different animals together. But in this case, it's a chimera of other mythological yeah, like monsters. It's got parentage yeah. to other beasts. The people of the town, looking for help, sought out St. Martha for help. She found the creature in the act of swallowing a man. Mm. Which is how typically you'll find the Tarrasque portrayed in a lot of art is... With a person in its mouth, the feet still dangling out as it is mid-swallow. Hardcore. Yep. So, like, a lot of paintings will be it coming out of a cave, St. Martha there, and then just two legs yep. of some unfortunate so-and-so <laughs> <laughs> just going down the hatch. She then defeated it by a mixture of sprinkling holy water on it, holding up and presenting the cross, and in at least most versions of the story, this caused the creature to become submissive and obedient she tr tied some sort of leash around its neck. It's different things that she had and led it back to the village where then the villagers cast rocks and spears upon it until it died, mm. which is very similar to the St. George. Yeah. It's a very similar story, but this is with a very specific monster, the Tarask. 
Now, typically, as we mentioned, the animal usually has a couple of shells on its back and six feet and a lion's face and things like that. But it looks like early depictions didn't actually look like that, hmm. like artistic sculptures and, and paintings. So in like early Gothic fourth century depictions, it doesn't seem, as they put it, it did not confirm the description that we're familiar with. Later in the 15th century, there is the city seal of Tarascon is a six-footed turtle-shelled Tarasque, as the description typically fits. And it seems that this has been the case since then, at least for sure in 16th and 17th century paintings. In modern day, they are still celebrated and used in iconography, at least in areas of France. Hmm. And since then, and during those times, has been described in detail. Oh, boy. So we have some detailed descriptions. These don't always fully agree with each other. Mm -hmm. And many of them were just building off of the Golden Legends description. So still, it is a huge dragon that is half animal, half fish. Sure. That hasn't changed. Yep, still half fish. It's a dragon mermaid. Yep. One described it as a dragon of unbelievable length and great bulk. Fatter than a bull, longer than a horse. <laughs> still <laughs> longer than a horse. All right, still longer than a yep. horse. This is important. The face and head of a lion and mane of a horse, mm. though in some others it's described similar to a bull or lion, while others just say it has the muzzle and face of a lion, and others having a lion head with a black mane. So, lionish features, hairy head. Yeah. That's pretty consistent. Teeth as sharp as swords are still there. Naturally. It was described in one thing as admitting fierce hisses from its mouth. And making horrible noises with its curved teeth. So like gnashing actually its teeth together. Oh, cool. Which I, I like that. I That's wanted to write neat. that down. <laughs> this is, I, I like descriptions like this that are artistic descriptions. It's back that was hatchet sharp with bristly scales keen as augers, which are like corkscrews. Yeah. And it had a double shield carapace like a tortoise's on each side. Yeah, so not one contiguous tortoise shell, yeah. but two tortoise shells. So typically the way you'll see a lot of the representations showing it is that sharp scaly back going down the middle like a ridge of spines down the spine mm. with then two tortoise shells basically, or you know, roughly more oval shaped a lot of the time to yeah. fit on either side of that spine but they are often specified as being two separate carapaces. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's weird. Yes, extremely. <laughs> That's not how animals work. It had six feet with bear-like claws that it tore people to pieces with, <laughs> along with its sword-like teeth. Sure. The tail of a serpent. Oh, hooray! Serpents make it into almost every dragon ah, description. That's the right way to do it. They are extremely serpent-connected. <laughs> this one, though being long and ridged and sometimes described as looking like that of a scorpion or that it it ended with a rooster spur, you know, a, a sharp end like on the ankle of a rooster. Sometimes saying it had an arrowhead shape and it was, I saw one that noted that with that scorpion description, some more recent things have taken it fully to mean it had a sting. Yeah. So, so th now we're taught, now it's like the wyvern yeah. that we discussed. It breathed out Poisonous fumes. Sure, classic. Often shot from the nostrils. And in one description, shot sulfurous flames from its eyes. Oh. Which many have interpreted to likely be metaphorical and mean like it had a sulfurous glare. And sulfurous typically is 
hellish. Like that is re- yes. re- that it had a hellish gaze. I do like that in this description of a creature that is half animal and half fish and has a stinger for a tail and is the offspring of two mythical creatures. The flames from the eyes they went. That's probably a metaphor. That's yeah. That's that probably part, that's probably that's part's probably that's artistic. Not, that's not literal. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not be silly. This is the Tarask, and as I said, is still a big deal today. There's a festival that was held yearly, uh, at one point held twice a year, but nowadays is held yearly in the last weekend of June, where a effigy of the Tarask is built and wheeled through town. Huh. Or carried through town. In old days, it was like made out of wood and carried by multiple people. This could be four to a dozen people that carried it around. It'll often be led through town by a person playing St. Martha who has a leash connected to the Tarrasque. This started in 1474 in Tarascon during Pentecost and has changed over time. You know, the, the amount of celebrations that have happened, but still is held today. There have been metal versions. There have been wooden versions. There have been fabric over rings of wood and metal. Often there's a person in there that can manipulate the head. So mm-hmm. it's got a lot of similarity to the dragon dancing puppet of the East Asian dragons. Yeah. There are similar practices and, and festivals uh, in Spain, the Tarasca, and you can find YouTube videos of huh. the Tarasque being wheeled through town. One of the cool things about Spooky is that we're talking about like cultural yeah. myths sometimes. And especially with stuff like this, it's fun to think that, yeah, there may be people listening who are like, yeah, I've been to that festival. Yeah. yeah. If you've, been to the Tarask Festival. Yes, please. Let us know. That's awesome. I would love <laughs> pictures or stories. Yeah. And like, I've seen a couple pictures of, you know, at least recent Tarask, because nowadays it's a cart instead of being carried fully on. Sure. It's on wheels that can be wheeled around. And it looks like the old, like it's, it's not been modern or Hollywooded up like a lot of other dragons tend to be. It, yeah. It just looks like the Tarrasque. Straight out of the 1400s. It's just the Tarrasque. That's cool. And so this, the Tarrasque is very interesting because it seems to have been very true to its own legend throughout much of it. You know, it's changed and the description has adjusted and uh, we don't know for sure how early on it looked like the way we now consider it to look, but it's been kind of the Tarrasque basically the whole time, which is, is very interesting. It makes it very... Uh, stable as far as a monster goes. Yeah. Which also makes me incredibly curious how then that got taken to inspire the D&D Trask, which basically has none of those features. Yeah. Like, the D&D Trask doesn't... Big monster. It's a big monster. It's spiky. It's sometimes armored and sometimes described as being, like, shelled on the back. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just a big kaiju monster with horns that wakes up and destroys stuff. Uh... So I'd be very interested to know, did did the it, name it, it just sound just good? It could just be the name. Yeah. It could just be, yeah, big monster, and yeah. then we'll make up the rest. Exactly. But I'd be, I'd wonder if there are, are early, I didn't find anything when I did my first search of like, are there early, early versions or like. Right. Like first edition yeah, versions where it's like of the Tarrasque. The earliest owlbear was just a upright furry monster. Yep. <laughs> so those are our turtley dragons. And from here, we can start talking about how we might get a shell dragon. But first, our magic disclaimer. As usual. Every episode, when we are dealing with monsters, it is good to remember that some things they do in the stories just can't be done in the real world. We like to skip over the really supernatural stuff, like shooting flames out of your eyes. So I was very glad that they they nipped (laughs) that in the bud. Already already struck that off the list. It's just metaphorical. (laughs) 
And look, these two aren't super, super magic-y. Yeah, so I, not too much. There's to implied with. mystic aspects to the dragon turtle, uh, but the Tarrasque, it has poisonous breath. But other than that, really just the six feet are the one thing that sets it apart as being unusual. But they don't have... I did, I did not find superpowers mentioned yeah. for either of them. So we, we're not too in the weeds with the magic disclaimers, how much we have to worry about. And so now we're, we're kind of also in the interesting situation where we have two fairly distinct monsters. Yeah, we're drawing inspiration yeah. from two sources for a dragony creature with a big shell on its back. Now, as usual, starting off with where on our evolutionary tree do we start? We have real world examples yep. of animals with big armory shells on their backs. Obviously, there's turtles. Yep. That it seems like a very obvious place to start with. Turtles give us the shell. They give us the reptile features. They also give us uh, an affinity for water if we wanted to go in that direction. Yes, yes. If we want to pull into the past, we have ankylosaurs. Yes, we do. Which are dinosaurs that have armor all over their bodies with lots of reptile features and a horny, spiky face and a long tail. Although I will admit that the more you st- talked and the more you said, the more I thought glyptodonts. Yeah. Yeah. So glyptodonts, if this is the first time you're hearing us talking about them, glyptodonts are basically ancient armadillos. Mm-hmm. They lived during the Ice Age. They included, the armadillo family includes a variety of mammals with armor plating on their back, mm-hmm. armadillo-like shapes. The glyptodonts, uh, the famous ones were the shape, they're often compared to Volkswagen beetles. Yeah, very round and domed. So dome-shaped. Episode 153 of the podcast. Check it out. I, I like Glyptodon because, A, big domed shell mm-hmm. already gives us that. Also, it's a mammal. Yes. So it gives us that. We can get that sort of lion or horse-like mm-hmm. features to the head. We can have a mane because they have fur. Yes. Glyptodons also often had long tails with spikes on them. Yep. One of them was even described as being ringed going down it. And so, like, for the Trask, it had a ringed tail, and there are Glyptodons that have ringed armor. Literally have rings of armor down the tail. So, like, there are descriptions of the Trask that match that tail one for one. Yeah. I think Glyptodon is a fantastic angle to start with. I like Glyptodon. It's, It's... Gives us all the mammal features. It's also interesting because they have, they are intimidating. They're big and they're armored and some of them were spiky in the back end. Yeah. But they were also herbivores. So like you've also got kind of that, they're not actually out to get you. You could, you could potentially live alongside them safely depending on how, how ornery they get. Mm -hmm. Like they aren't predators. So I, I like the, the, the dichotomy there. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about that because one of the weird things about Glyptodons is that they are kind of already the Tarrasque. Yeah. Uh, they are already very dragon turtle-like. But if we want to take a Glyptodon and move in a direction that kind of gives us more of this dragony shape to it, it's got like the spines and ridges along the back. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to have teeth like swords. And that is an avenue that is a little tough to get at because teeth like swords tends to be a thing you get in predators and armor all over the body tends not to be a predator feature. Nope. 
However, teeth like swords makes me think of like wild boars. Yep. Or hippos where my brain went. Or hippos mm-hmm. with tusks. Yes. And so we could have a lineage of glyptodonts that developed tusks, which could be for combat. Mm-hmm. You're fighting each other. That's often how boars, that's how hippos are absolutely doing it. Absolutely. They could also be for digging. Yes. These are herbivores and big tusks can be handy for scraping through, you know, getting roots mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You could be like stripping bark off of stuff to get mm-hmm. to the, the stuff underneath. Uh, I like I like tusks. I think that is very fitting. And if they are using their heads in a bit more of an active way, it would also, I think, make a little uh, justify a selective pressure for slightly longer necks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you could have them have a a little bit more of that dragon with the the neck is a little longer so that they can reach out uh, and, and interact with what they're interacting with. Yes, yes. I like that. I think that is very cool. They've already got, you know, long and and spiny tails the next thing that they don't have that the tarasque at least is described because like the dragon turtles typically it is just a normal turtle or tortoise shell yeah nothing weird about it usually other than probably being big but like same actual turtle anatomy underneath and inside they're pretty normal uh but the tarasque has spines some yes. sort of spininess along the back. There is there is a, dis, a bisection of the shell going down the middle. To, so it has two halves and there are spines in the middle typically. Yeah. Now you could get, right, turtle, there are plenty of turtles that have sort of bumps and ridges along the shell. Yeah, there are ones that have spines down the middle like yep. that. Ankylosaurs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the same structure. Yes. So these armor plates are osteoderms. Yep. So ankylosaurs have turned them into spines and bumps and ridges, and turtles have done it. Absolutely, you could get that with your glyptodont, perhaps for display, mm-hmm. yep. to have just, all right, I'm big and spiky, look how cool I am. Or it could be an extra defensive thing. Yes. If perhaps there are uh, particularly large, scary predators in the region, like our other dragons. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> if, if you have a dragon that tends to come at you in a way... That would be best defended by a row of spiny osteoderms down the middle. Yeah. Then that was my thought as well. So yeah, that's definitely feasible. That mostly leaves us with those six feet. Yeah, six feet is... I was going to just ignore six feet. Yeah. That is a hard thing to put on a glyptodon. And I, I feel like maybe there could be a species or, or you know, subspe- you know, that there's... And it, maybe it's a regional. <laughs> maybe it is this species or subspecies in this region that ends up being France. Uh, has a structure that looks like an extra pair of feet or claws. Mm-hmm. That I was, like I was one. Yeah, some weird feature yeah, of the the osteoderms that most other places they don't have that and more just fit a dragon turtle body body layout with just four feet. Yeah, but a group has something. And I was actually, I was going to suggest one of the, so glyptodonts are known from South America. Mm-hmm. They are xenarthrans, so they're in the same group as ground sloths. Armadillos, sloths, a lot of these groups are famously very good at digging. Yes. And there are big burrows that we know from the Ice Age that may belong to ground sloths or similar animals. If our glyptodon tarasque is digging, mm-hmm. that gives it the excuse to have bigger claws yeah. on the front feet. 
But also, I wonder if you could have, like, the osteoderms are modified on the side of the body as just a shape that helps as it's moving through tight corridors. Yes. It helps widen out the tunnel or something as it's going through. And maybe it looks like claws. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I, I. that was exactly what I was thinking, that some protrusion of the osteoderms of the armor mm-hmm. has a a foot-like structure and it could be it could be between the two real ones it could be up front near the head that maybe this is like because of the way you fight you now have this you know more notable armor around the face so yeah. that you can you can pull your neck in and and have it guarded and so you have what looks like these two oh yeah that's a pause cool coming up actually the more we think about it uh and because there was also the note about them Living in the water. Yes. And we've already related them to hippos. Mm -hmm. They could be sort of spending time in shallow water and being a bit more dynamic and aggressive and competitive like hippos are. And if they're hanging out in the mud, they could also potentially have features for helping them to sort of anchor down. Yes. Yes. And sit in the mud and not be moved. Yep. That that was the other thought I have was for it was like that is they're effectively shell kickstands. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, I like that with the mud because then that gives you a way to settle in and now yeah, no one's going to flip you because you have anchors. And this all kind of ties nicely into this image of fees as a little bit more even more defensively oriented, but maybe a little bit more offensively focused in like hippos in intraspecies competition. I just had a thought that I I think I might love because I, I had the moment. <laughs> we'll of, see. We'll see how I feel. Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I'm confident. I'm confident. <laughs> I had the thought that I'm very much liking where our Trask is going. It does leave the dragon turtle a little. I did, have, I did also have a thought on that. The thought I had is sexual dimorphism. Oh, if we have a less tusky, less spiny, less. Uh, so our they don't have those projections to keep you from being flipped over by a rival. They don't have a sixth uh, pair and, and they're a not third quite pair. as big. Also, this ties directly into what I was going to say is you had mentioned the mythos of the dragon turtle as being sort of benevolent and mm-hmm. protective. We have mammals here yes. who are great parents. Yep. So you, I, the, the dimorphism is a great angle. And they can so, carry their babies on the back. And yes. people can be like, look at all those turtles on its back. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Baby tracks. The idea that you have the big monstery ones, the ones with the big tusks. That are aggressive. The, the ones who are have big claws for either anchoring in the mud or just scrambling at mm-hmm. each other. Just overflowing with hormones and flipping over boats. Well, well it's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the elephant seal. Yes, exactly. Hippo. Yeah. Uh, something that lives a lot like hippos, maybe in the water, maybe in caves or something mm-hmm. like that. Longer than a horse. Longer than a horse. This <laughs> is very important. They are longer than a horse, <laughs> uh, longer than a river horse, even. <laughs> They've got a long tail with spines on it that is also part of this. Uh, you could have those big ridges on the back because uh, often when we see sexual dimorphic species, you tend to get selection for exaggerated features. Mm-hmm. So this is a species that's going all out with the sexual dimorphism. And then the females of the group, and I, I'm going with males as the big ones, females yes. as the small ones, because that's typically how mammals do it. That, yeah, that could is be the... the other way around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely could. Mm-hmm. Our smaller dimorphic uh, half, which are far less dramatic yep. 
still have sort of dragony faces. They yeah. still have fur. Like they probably have slight tusks because like a lot of East Asian dragons will have slight, slight yeah. tusks coming out. You know, like the oni mask sort of thing where it's a little bit of that curved yeah. tusk. And they could still have like a little beard because mm-hmm. they've got the fur and they could still have a little mane. Mm-hmm. But they don't have, they just look kind of turtle Yeah, very, very tortoise I like and they're the ones guarding the nest, mm-hmm. keeping taking care of the young. Well, and especially if we have a thing oh, where that's, a, that's you, I, that's a brilliant yeah. suggestion. I like that. That's a lot. That's really good. And if they have a social setup like elephants, to where it's like nine times out of ten when you come across them, it's just females with the young. And then right. every now and then but, randomly but if, war- roaming if you come across, ac- if you come across one by yes, itself, that, that's probably <laughs> the others, and you need to steer clear. Because yes. then you could have it to where, like, yeah, no, if you just see a group of dragon turtles, you're fine. Like, yeah, you don't want to mess with their babies, but, like, they're not going to likely charge you. Mm-hmm. If you see one sitting in the middle of the river, it is bad news. Maybe go to town tomorrow. Well, and I also like the idea. We talked about them digging mm-hmm. with their claws and maybe with their tusks. The image of, like, some people came across one as, like, out in a in the, the shallow of the water or something. And they're like, what is that? And it reared its head up and turned and had like a root in its yes. in its jaws. Yep. And they went, it's got an arm. And then <laughs> they ran away. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I do like that. That is a Well, it's a really fun way to take advantage of natural systems mm-hmm. that we see very often to give us the sort of peaceful, calm version and the kind of easily described as a monster version because yeah that's a thing that nature actually does yes yep absolutely that is then that's why i i went with elephant Mm -hmm. seals because hippos you know are a great analogy for that sort of competitive aggression and the big teeth elephant seals are a great demonstration of that dramatic sexual dimorphism that just extreme differences in both size and shape where the females are basically seals yeah and the males are pinnipe- seals doing their best impression of hippos. Yes. <laughs> Huge with just crazy display structures yep. and super violent in their competitions. Big old teeth. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, and if they like, if the male musked, like if, if, if they went through like a, a rut sort of thing and they musked, yeah. that would make them stinky and. Abs- oh, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they could, that, that's your toxic yep, breath. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, man. I'm glad we found that because when we started mm-hmm. going and I was just describing a glyptid, I was like, this is already a terrasse. Yep. We don't, there's nowhere to go. Yep, yep. <laughs> We've already done it. And done. Record time. Excellent. Somebody. Everybody, somebody. Uh, join us next year. <laughs> That's awesome. I really oh. like, I like our, and that also makes it, in comparison to all of our dragons, a, a much more recent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. evolutionary innovation. It does raise the question that doesn't, you know, it's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Glyptodons are from South America. Yes. So and there this... were some that made it up into like in North America, yeah, like yeah, southern like, North America. They're like they got into Central America and like the the very southern portions. So of... It's possible mm-hmm. that they could have gotten up to North America uh when during the Great American Interchange and then made it all the way across the land bridge that connected to Asia and then all the way into Europe. To get to France. Mm-hmm. Is it likely? Maybe. Lots of mammals made that trip. Bison, well, kind of came the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't have to make it to France. 
I, I, but they are very far removed from France. I did have the thought, and this this is... <laughs> and also East Asia, for yes, that matter. This is definitely much more of a backstory than we typically give to our <laughs> monsters. But the comparison to hippos made me think of the hippos that got loose in uh, Cuba. In Colombia. In Colombia. Yep. Uh, so there's a there's a introduced population yes. of Tarasque glyptodonts. Which if... Whoever it was that scooped them up and was like, these are lovely, was only dealing with the smaller. The young. Yeah. It was like, these are, they're docile, they're friendly. And then as they continued to breed, some of them became monsters. I think that that's, the, the idea that they were like collected by people and some folks from China or somewhere got some and they happened to be females and they were like, oh, this is great. Look at these lovely things. And then in France, they happened. It was like, it got, it's in the cave. It got out. I don't know how we're going to call Martha. I don't know how we're going to get, I don't know how we're going to deal with this. That's very funny. That's funny and way more entertaining than my thought, which was uh, ocean dispersal. Right, right. Like tortoises who just get carried in currents. Yes. Uh, Let's go with that one. I like it. I like, I think that that's very funny. We got a great lineup of dragons. Of, yeah. of monsters for our dragon list. Oh man, and the, these might be my favorite. These, this one's great. It's really good. Rounding off our list of dragons that we have evolved, we did our European dragons, mm-hmm. our vast clade of lizards with their extra appendages adapted into display structures or gliding structures. We got our East Asian dragon, our fish slash early tetrapod that stuck around the coastlines and got all the gills and whiskers and fins and appendages to give it that regal appearance. Our lingering early pterosaurs <laughs> that became our wyverns. And now our extremely sexually dimorphic glyptodonts that allow us to cheat and do two monsters at once. Yes. That's a very good lineup. <sighs> Of dragons. I'm so happy with them all. Uh, we have added them all to the spooky verse. Say yes. Welcome. This is all now canon. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Here they are. Uh, speaking of adding them all to the spooky verse, uh, listeners, as always, if you have additional thoughts, ideas, concepts, join us in the Discord. There's been a conversation going on for spooky already. Find us on social media. And uh, every now and then people will share art with us. And if you are so inspired to art, uh, please share it with us. Yeah, we've got a place for it in the Discord. You can send it to us. If you are cool with us putting it up on the website, which we have a whole spot for it, please let us know and how you would like to be credited or tagged in those posts. Don't forget that on November 11th, we are doing our first ever spooky live stream. Mm-hmm. That's Saturday the 11th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be on our YouTube. You can find the links and stuff on social media. You'll get to join us and chat about spooky and our spooky dragons and other speculative evolution topics. This has been a... Man, I figured dragon. It's not a surprise that dragons has turned out to be super fun. Yeah. But it was a ton of fun. It was it was great. This is the last Saturday in October. Yes. So brings us up to four episodes as every year. We have the live stream Saturday after next, which does leave an extra Saturday before it. Which is convenient. It is. So we decided to use that Saturday to do 
something extra and new. Something brand new. Next Saturday, if you are interested, please join us for the first ever inaugural episode of Cute E. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Common Descent Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and check our WordPress blog for pictures and links after each episode. Huge thanks to our patrons whose support helps keep this podcast running and who get access to bonus goodies on Patreon. The song you're hearing is called On the Origin of Species by Protodome, which we found at ocremix.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us next time.